heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Alrighty, folks, I am back to video. I am back um, here with episode number 97 of YWC Football Talk. Uh, again, not much closer to 100. I'll be there right before you know it. And he's going to pop up in a second of the screen. But I've been on his show a few times, but I figured, you know what, I'm going to return the, fla- the favor. Uh, it's Jordan from the Sports Dude Hyde Show. Uh, how are we feeling tonight? I'm doing really good. You know, thanks uh, so much for having me and everything. You know what? No problem. I, I just realized tonight, too, um, as we're getting much, much closer towards the start of the football season, um, it's just you got to talk to as many teams as you can to get everyone's perspective on their teams. And by the uh, little uh, orange shoulder pads with the uh, black stripes, I how a hunch you're a Bengals fan. Just a, just a little, just a little, you know. <laughs> yeah, just a lot. I mean, had season tickets since I was about seven or eight years old. Diehard Bengals fan. I like them more each year. It's it's really hard to like them more, but you know, my fandom is pretty much. I mean, super super high. Cannot wait, you know, for the season. So with that being said, though, are your expectations like where like because obviously it was a four eleven and one season last year. Now we have the seventeenth game coming in. Where do you see this team realistically in twenty twenty one? I keep looking back at the schedule. You know, with the. 17 games instead of 16, to me, that makes a huge difference on how many wins we will have and a huge difference on if Zach Taylor should keep his job or not. Because if it was 16, I don't think you're going to be as expect- expecting as many wins. But with an extra game, I think you should be maybe expecting a an extra win, maybe an upset win or so. When I look at the schedule every single time, I keep going back to 7 to 10, 9 and 8. I think we're capable of having a 500 a season or better. But it's just a matter if we can put it all together. Um, I, I just really – I'm not trying to be biased. I, I'm i one of the least biased Bengal fans there are. But when you really look at our team, I mean, Joe Burrow's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, but he is coming off a season in the injury. We have Mixon, who I know when it comes to fantasy purposes, not many people like him, but I think he's going to have a huge year. Um, I, with Jamar Chase, our offense line is way more uh, – m- much better – than people think. And I, I just really think we will surprise some people regardless, because I've seen some people have us three and four wins, which is just absolutely pathetic. But seven, uh, seven to 10 wins, I would say, 10 wins at the absolute max. But I keep, I, if I would have to say a record prediction right now, I'm probably going to say eight and nine. You know what? That's kind of my whole thing. I'm just, I was going to say something else, but I'm going to go back to the whole Zach Taylor note. My whole note of it is even if you guys end up winning, say, six or seven, as long as you can be competitive or, you know what, catch a couple teams off guard, like obviously the Steelers game last year, Monday Night Football, the Tennessee Titans even too, beat a couple of teams like that. And even more exciting, you guys by like San Francisco is the extra game. You also got believe, the uh, NFC North and then the uh, AFC West. So if there's a couple teams in there, like not saying like necessarily wins, but if there's games where you guys are like highly competitive, like even the two against Cleveland last year, the Thursday nighter and then the one Sunday, um, if you can be competitive in those games, it's kind of like Zach Taylor, I think buying an extra year. And I do agree with you. If it was 16, I think it's harder for him to keep his job. But if it's since that extra game's added in there 
and there's that whole potential of, hey, look, there's an extra game. And you can say, look, Joe, it's Joe's first full season playing. Give me another year at it. And then if after year three, there's nothing really there, then they can go. But it all depends on what the Brown family really wants to do. And something with the extra game to me um, really has more pressure on Zach Taylor because if it was 16 games, I would expect maybe six wins, seven maybe. But with 17 games, in my opinion, and I've said this, and, you know, I'm one of the few Bengal fans who are not so completely sore on Zach Taylor. If Zach Taylor does not get a seven wins this season, because you're looking at the schedule, um, I think we are definitely capable of getting seven wins. I think we can have an upset win. I definitely beat Pittsburgh once, possibly beat Cleveland. You mentioned, you know, we almost beat Cleveland, you know, both games actually, but we are capable of having seven wins. So I think anything less than seven, Taylor has to go, like you said, first full season under Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins, Boyd. I mean, that they're one of the most underrated wide receiver, uh, wide receiver groups in the NFL. And um, something to really keep an eye on. I was looking the other day. I, our last three games of the regular season, um, I don't, I know the, I cannot remember which ones are away at home, but we play the Ravens, the um, Chiefs, and the Browns. More than likely, that's going to be a three-game losing streak to uh, end the season. And, I mean, definitely, that's definitely not going to end the season on a high note. So we lose all three. Uh, regardless what our record is up to those final three games, I think that has a significant chance um, if we lose all three, that Taylor could actually be fired. Yeah, because that just leaves a sour taste in the fans' mouths. I always say, like, you want to go into 2020, like, on this, I was going to say 2021 back in January, but now for 22, you want to go in thinking, hey, look, we showed some promise towards the end of the year. How can we get better? If you lose those games, like you said, it's just only kind of like going back down the mountain when you're trying to ascend on top of the mountain. Um, I could also see a world where it's like the Anthony Lynn firing from this year where, you know, it's like, Hey, thank you for your service, but we need to get someone better because obviously there's gonna be a lot more good coaching candidates out there. Like a Joe Brady, Brian Dayball, uh, even um, blanking on the guy's name from Iowa state. Um, Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell Campbell from Iowa state. Um, Just to name a few or even I know Pat Fitzgerald signed a huge extension with Northwestern, but there's always names that like, look, money can lure people in a lot of different directions or even to there's some coaching firings you didn't see coming and those guys get scooped up immediately. Um, Even the division two is just very intriguing because like you guys, you don't really know what you're going to get. It's the same with uh, Pittsburgh. I feel like we don't really know what Ben Ben says. He's on this like new diet. Like he's TB 12. I only do air quotes because it's kind of hard to believe where it's just like, okay, I'm so used to seeing the photo of Ben with like the big like ice packs, both knees, shoulder, just like the tensor bandage walking around the Pittsburgh Steelers facility, you know? So besides the Ravens and the Browns, you, you like, I'm not saying anything bad about the Bengals. I'm just saying for you guys and the Steelers, it's kind of like the, let's wait and see what we get. It's like opening your gifts on Christmas morning. You don't know what's under the tree. Yeah. With the AFC North, honestly, I think the AFC North, you know, despite, you know, let's say 2011, 2015, we were one of the best divisions in the NFL because the Bengals, Steelers, and Ravens were consistently in the playoffs all those years. And I really feel like the AFC North is one of the best divisions uh, right now. I know I sound, I'm not trying to sound biased, but with the, our, our roster being so underrated and people don't know what to expect from us, you know, the Steelers, I mean, they're the Steelers. I mean, I hate them more than any other team, but they won the AFC North last season. They're probably the most successful team or, franchise NFL history I mean I know you're a big Patriots fan but the fact that you have three coaches in your tire 
franchise is just absolutely insane. And then you have the Browns, who I think is clearly the favorite in the AFC. The Ravens, I am not high on at all. I think they're going to have a down year. I, I think there's, I mean, they're definitely still a playoff caliber team. But, I mean, I think the AFC North is definitely one of the best divisions uh, in all the NFL. And um, I, I'm, I know I keep saying I'm trying not to be biased, but the Bengals will not finish last in the AFC North. I said it last year, and I, looking back, I know it was crazy, but there was things I just really thought that could happen. Uh, especially, you know, the Steelers' the last four games of the season, you're talking about ending on a high note. The Jets and the Bengals had a better record against uh, than the Steelers in the last four games of the year. Rotzelberger is not getting any younger. He's getting worse each game. I just really feel like the Bengals will not finish last in the AFC North. It's going to surprise lots of people, but I really think it's going to happen that the Steelers will be last in the AFC North. You know, it's nothing crazy to think about. Like, part of me thinks that the 2021 Steelers are going to be like what? Like, I'm just going to give a personal example. The 2019 Patriots, or even like last year's Steelers team, like where their defense is bailing them out of a lot of games, where Ben's not maybe putting up the best numbers to cast – because, like, the cast with the Steelers is so weird. I know they drafted Harris in the first round, so we'll see. But people are saying, oh, you know, like, go get Najee for fantasy when their offensive line I do not trust. Um, ben is probably – he's in, definitely on the back nine. He's on, like, whole 16 or 17 of his NFL career, if not 18. And then the receiving core, hell, two of them would prefer to do TikTok at Fortnite than try to get better at their positions. Like, we even saw it last year when um, Von Bell lit up Juju on that Monday night game. Like, I always remember that game thinking, and, like – like, I'm going to be honest with you. I thought that game was going to be, you know what? Hey, here come the Steelers. They're going to get back on track and they'll go to the playoffs and be fine. But no, you guys decided to say, no, that's not happening here. Um, but my, like, I'm not even afraid to admit it. My pick to win the North already is the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns by far the best team in that division. The only other thing I'll say, though, with the AFC North. So I um, saw your video from earlier today about the NFC West. The NFC West, I think, is the best overall. We have the best four overall teams. But your division is the toughest because you don't know what you're going to get from all four teams, even though we do expect good from Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. And then you guys are just that, like, you're working in the trenches, just like kind of like a lion waiting to pounce on a gazelle, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it because, you know, you're kind of – you already know what you're kind of going to get from the Browns because they're amazing roster and everything. You know what you're going to get from the Ravens. They're going to run the ball down your throat regardless if they're winning or losing, and they're going to – you know, if their offense doesn't play good, their defense will bail them out and they'll win. That kind of, you know, it's the same way with the Steelers. Their offense is a question mark because you don't know how Roethlisberger is going to perform this season. But you know their defense will bail them out, kind of like how it did this past season. But with us, I just kind of feel like we're going to surprise some people. And I kind of feel like we're going to surprise some people because just people think our expectations are so low, like four wins or something like four or five wins which I just do not understand at all. And, you know, we have lots of players back uh, coming back from, you know, season-ending injuries. Mike Burrow, you know, um, Joe Mixon, DJ Reader, who was our big signee last season. We have some nice additions, and uh, we had a, a decent draft. But I just really feel like we will surprise some people. And you also mentioned with the NFC West of the Cardinals, you know, that video I did. The, the NFC West is just – they're up there with the uh, – AFC North in the best division in the league. If the, I had the Cardinals, I believe, going um, eight and nine. But if the Cardinals were in any other division, I would 100% have them in the playoffs. I think they're a nice team. But with the Rams, the Seahawks, and Russell Wilson, be one, of, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and also the 49ers, who are one of the better rosters in the league, I just think it's very difficult uh, to see the Cardinals in the playoffs. I'm going to go the same way with you. Like I always like the Cardinals. I like, I like Kyler Murray. 
Um, I, I think Cliff Kingsbury is the one coach and everyone says who has the hottest seat in the NFL. It, it's Cliff because everyone came in expecting, look, 5-11 the first year was kind of a pad. Actually, wait, 5-9-1, uh, excuse me. 5-10-1. Uh, uh, like the first year was like, okay, cool. We'll improve on that. Then last year, I believe they finished 8-8, eight eight, which they fell off. They were 6-3 and three going into the back half of the season. Then Kyler got hurt against Seattle on Thursday night and then kind of went down from there. But this year, too, like I know they signed J.J. Watt, but then they added A.J. Green, James Conner, Malcolm Butler. They're kind of, they're kind of taking flyers and guys hoping they pan out. It's like that's, that's always what Steve Kimes' agenda is where he does that. And then his draft was okay. Like they had Zayvon Collins. They added um, Rondale Moore from uh, Purdue. The Cardinals are like, I want, it's that, it's that thing. It's like, you want to see it succeed, but you don't know if it will. That's the thing. And also too, going back to what I said earlier about you guys being like a lion waiting in the bleeds. I should have said Bengal tiger. I apologize for that. Um, but with the, and then the NFC West, like you look at it, San Francisco is going to be back and healthy. Like I literally, before we came on here, I saw George, uh, George Kill on my Instagram discover page, like working out like stuff. He looks ready to go. Debo Samuel is going to be back. Nick Bose is going to be back. Um, the Kinlaw's in the second year on defense. So my only questions with those two teams though, is how is the Niners going to look without Salah and Mike LaFleur? Cause obviously those two are now in New York with uh, LaFleur running Salah's offense with the Jets. Um, the Rams, I think, are the best. I think I'm, I love the Matt Stafford angle because everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, where did this quarterback come from? And everyone can just be like, he was wasted away for the last 12 years in Detroit. So it's a big – it's a big – look at the NFC. I was going to say wait and see, but I feel like with the um, Seahawks, I, I just don't know. I don't know what to think of the Seattle Seahawks. I, I think they can be good. Their defense, a lot of question marks there. But then – because, like, last year was weird. There was the first half, offense was great. Defense was okay. Then they flipped the rules back, and then they still managed to win the division, but then they lost to John Walford in a half-man, half-Jared Goff in the wild-card round. So you don't really know what to get with Seattle. So if I had to pick a winner from that division right now, I'm going to go with the Rams. The fact that John Walford has more playoff wins than Andy Dalton is kind of embarrassing. That's but, um, I mean, that, that goes back to how good the Rams are. The fact that they win with a guy you've never heard of going into a playoff game. And they beat Russell Wilson, who's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And what you said, you know, the first half, Russell Wilson was MVP, MVP candidate. He was right yeah. beside Rodgers. Second half, they literally did a 180. It was crazy how horrible uh, Wilson was the second half of the season. And the 49ers, I think if they have Garoppolo the first half of the season, or if, you know, Trey Lance would start week one, which I, I don't think that would happen. Regardless if it's Trey Lance or Garoppolo, I can definitely see um, San Francisco um, having a 10-plus win season. I mean, they have a great roster. Uh, going back to the Seahawks, I honestly do not know if they will be in the playoffs. Um, I, I think they're one of the more overrated teams in the league. And it kind of goes back to if they were in any other division, they would be in the playoffs. Um, with the Rams, I just – I really think they're the team to beat in the division. And we mentioned it with the Cardinals. Since 2016, you know, people um, – you know, people are talking about the J.J. Watt signing and the A.J. Green signing. Since 2016, J.J. Watt has only had one season where he's had 10-plus sacks. Since 2016, A.J. Green has only had one season with 1,000 receiving yards. They drafted in the first round with Zayvon Collins, a linebacker from Tulsa, and that was kind of a questionable pick. And we saw just a month or so ago that he's getting arrested. I, I do not think Arizona is this team to beat or this underrated team that people think. Honestly, I think they're more overrated than they are underrated. I want you to look this up. At, you can look it up now or you can look it up when you're done, but go look because Steve Kine became GM of that team in 2013. I've talked about this before. 
up until he drafted Murray in 2019, he has one of the worst first round, like worst one of the worst first round uh, picks, like just like a slew of them from 13 to 18. None of them panned out. Like DJ Humphreys did in his like later on, but like for immediate impact, the only guys he's had is Murray and Simmons. Besides that, none of his first round picks have panned out. He always takes like a blind shot in the dark at someone and says like, Hey, you know what? Come here, rise up red sea. Like let's win it for the Valley. And he hasn't succeeded at that. He'll, and then like, even too, if you look at his, a lot of his free agent signings, it's like, it's like, if like the names I mentioned earlier, it's a lot of guys on second, not to even second chances, but guys were older or it's guys looking for another chance, like Connor Butler. And then even the older with the Watt and the green, like JJ Watt, still JJ Watt, but I don't think you're getting the defensive player of the year. That was a, force for Houston during the mid 2010s. Like, you know, where it was like him, Brian Cushing, uh, um, Whitney Merciless guys like that, you know, like those defenses are like 2013, 14, 15, 16. You're not getting that JJ Watt. Like I know he could still be great, but at the same time too, the other thing with him and green, very injury prone. So if they get hurt, they're screwed. I mentioned that stat with J.J. Watt, but, you know, talking bad about the Cardinals, but something good about the Cardinals is I believe since 2011, the top two players in the NFL who has the most sacks, I don't know who's one and two, but another top two, that is J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. Chandler yeah. Jones is coming back from a season in injury, and going into the last season, he was actually my pick uh, for defensive player of the year. Not including last season, he had 48 sacks in three years. Uh, you can't even get that on Madden at times. Like, that is incredibly uh, great. I mean, you know, you saw him, you know, because you're a big Patriots fan. He's extremely underrated. But one thing with J.J. Watt, I mean, you mentioned the injuries. Uh, if you're a Cardinals fan or, or just, t- to me, I-, I would see, I-, I would think a successful season for J.J. Watt is about eight sacks because he's not what he used to be by any means. A.J. Green, I already kind of talked about him. And if he plays 12 games this season, Honestly, I think that's a successful season for Green. I, I don't think people realize he is not what he used to be by any means. Um, you know, lots of Bengal fans overrate him and everything. You know, lots of Bengal fans want him to stay. I would like to see him stay because, you know, we have a young, nice team growing and building. But this this, this past couple of years with Green has just so been so bad to watch because just how injury prone he is. And he seems like in games last season particularly – he wasn't even trying. So I, I really feel like the Watt and the Green signings are actually some of the more overrated signings um, heading into the season. I like the Watt signing just because for what it stands for. And like you said, he's up there with the sack leader since 2011. Him and Chandler Jones, obviously, are always up there. Chandler Jones is one of the most underrated defensive edge players. Even they had uh, Dennis Kardak, who got off to a really good start last year, but then he got hurt down the stretch and missed the rest of the season. But even I look at the Cardinals last year, there was just so many little mistakes they made, like in the game against uh, – Miami, they missed a field goal. Uh, the game against the Patriots, uh, the Patriots stopped them on the goal line at the uh, one-yard line to like not let them score at half, and then it kind of threw everything off. And then Zane Gonzalez missed a field goal that would have uh, would have won them the game. But then even too, they he missed it, let them come down. Isaiah Simmons took a penalty, and even too, everyone calls it the play of the year. But the catch against the Buffalo Bills was pure luck because we saw two things happen in that game. One, that's when Arizona's downfall started. And the other one was Buffalo did not lose another game after that until the AFC championship game. So it, you know, it's just the whole misfortune, it's the misfortune thing. And even to green, I understand where you're coming from, but I look at this Cincinnati and Arizona very similarly, where, where would AJ green fit on the 21 Bengals with Boyd Higgins and chase. And then where would Larry Fitzgerald fit in with the new core of Hopkins, Kirk, 
Now you have Rondell Moore coming in. They hope to expand Andy Isabella's role, I believe. And now you have AJ Green coming in. So I feel like the AJ Green signing really was like the nail in the coffin for Larry Fitzgerald's career, even though he is a lifelong. He's going to be one of those guys where, look, he's loyal to the T where he was a Cardinal his entire career. I really feel like Larry Fitzgerald is easily one of the most underrated wide receivers of all time because you look at other wide receivers and, you know, you look at their quarterbacks that I've played with. Fitzgerald's never really had that amazing guy. You know, we had Palmer for a couple of years, but the fact that he has more tackles, yeah, uh, Warner for a few years as well. But the fact that he had more tackles and drops really shows how, you know, underrated he is. But, you know, with Arizona, I- I'm not trying to talk bad about Arizona. You know, I had them going eight and nine. But with just this hard division they're in, in the NFC West, I think they're capable of having a nine and eight or 10 to seven season. I, I would not be surprised if they had 10 uh, wins. But it's the fact that how hard a division is and how inconsistent. Arizona has been you know you just mentioned some of those games last season it should definitely not have won that Buffalo game there were some games they should have won I just cannot put everything together uh, I think you know Kingsbury you know if they have a down season like seven wins I would not be shocked if he was fired but um it's just their inconsistency of the inconsistency is really why I'm not completely sold on them but if they were more consistent I would not be surprised at all to see them in the playoffs but until they are more consistent and can play at a great basis on offense and defense, I'm not ready to say they're, you know, a, a playoff team quite yet because we know they've not been in the playoffs uh, since 2015 or 16. So to me, I just – I have to see more from Kingsbury and Murray. I think that they could, could be a playoff team, especially in a hard division. Right? I don't have a problem with the Kyler Murray thing. I think Kyler Murray's there to stay. Michael Bidwell's going to make sure he gets paid – it's Cliff. It's not like this whole, like we obviously knew there were package deal coming in. Like as soon as Cliff Kingsbury was hired in Arizona, we knew Kyler Murray was getting drafted and Josh Rosen was on the outside with now, like, look, they see, Hey, look, we got our franchise quarterback. We've got Kyler Murray. So I don't think Kyler Murray's going anywhere. I, I still think it's Cliff. If anyone's gone after this year, it's Hey Cliff, you're taking the downfall because I'm blanking on who their OC is. I know Vance Joseph's running defense and he's done a fairly good job at it. It's just, a lot of their guys got to stay healthy. Like even last year, we saw Patrick Peterson slowly start to fall off. So they brought in Malcolm Butler, but we'll see what happens. Obviously Malcolm Butler had one of the greatest plays in the history of the league at that very stadium in 2015 in the Super Bowl. But when you look at the Cardinals, you just got to, it's like, okay, the pieces are in place. Now you got to produce. That's, that's all it is. It's like, it's like you guys this year, like the Cardinals and the Bengals, in my opinion, have very similar seasons where look, they got to make strides and improvements. But I think for the Cardinals, it's, you got to, if they cannot win more than, they have to win nine. I think Cliff, to keep his job, they have to win nine games because the NFC this year is going to be the, in my opinion, even though they're in a tough division, the NFC is the easier conference to make the playoffs in. Meanwhile, because if you look at the AFC, it's just juggernaut after juggernaut in every single division. Now, obviously, I know there's Kansas City, Buffalo, and then there's the rest, but there's more teams you can make cases for in the AFC to be playing mid, mid to late January football than in the NFC. Yeah, and you make a great point there, but with just with Arizona, it's, it's very interesting. And, yeah, like what you were saying with Cincinnati, if there's not a certain amount of wins, maybe we see Taylor go or a Cliff Kingsbury go from Arizona. And the, the NFC just in general is just very interesting because, you know, I mean, with the NFC West being great, the NFC East, it's, you know, last season it was historically bad, but um, I think it's going to be much improved. I think Dallas will be much improved. I think um, the Eagles will be down. 
the Giants will be decent and Washington will be decent. The NFC North, however, um, I, I'm very interested in the NFC North because honestly, if Aaron Rodgers starts, I know this sounds crazy, if Aaron Rodgers starts week one for Green Bay, or even if he doesn't, I honestly believe, I think the Vikings might win the NFC North. And I'm just very excited for the Vikings this season because I think they were definitely one of the most underrated teams last season. Uh, Kirk Cousins threw for over 32 passing touchdowns last year and over 4,000 uh, yards. Um, Dalvin Cook averaged nearly 140 total yards a game last season. So statistically speaking, Justin Jefferson was the best rookie receiver we've ever seen. Adam Thielen had over 10 receiving touchdowns. But their main issue last season was defense. And they got Jalen Twalman at defense tackle from Pittsburgh, who I, was, who I was a huge fan of. My favorite edge rusher in the class, also from Pittsburgh, Patrick Jones. They got Chaz Surratt to be that linebacker, you know, from UNC. They drafted him as well. And they also uh, brought back McKenzie Alexander, who was with Cincinnati last season. And they signed Patrick Peterson from Arizona on a one-year deal. I think Minnesota is can win the NFC North. And I definitely think they're one of the most underrated teams going into the 2021 season. Um, with Minnesota, though, like that's a thing that's disappointing because Mike Zimmer's specialty is defense. You should know that best as a Bengals fan. That's what. That's why I feel like it was such a disappointing year. They also, I believe, drafted Wyatt Davis out of the Ohio, out of OSU in the third round. So Minnesota's got the pieces in place. Obviously, Sam going back to Cincinnati connection. Minnesota lost Riley Reef to the Bengals, but. I'm going to say this, like if Aaron Rodgers is there, I think the Packers win. Aaron Rodgers is just like, you know, he's that, it's like having a, I don't know, it's like the Thanos with the infinity gauntlet with the, there where he's got all the stones, where he's got all the infinity stones. Aaron Rodgers is there. He can do enough on his own to win, even though, look, they didn't do much. Now, obviously, you know, they have Mari Rodgers in the draft, Devontae Adams, which I'm still saying going into next year, that's the bigger question mark for Green Bay. Because I think if Rodgers goes, he walks and he's getting paid next offseason. He's going to be the most coveted free agent in the class. But with the North, like Chicago, we don't know. I think Chicago can manage, you know, and I think they'll finish in that 8-9 win sphere. It's like Mitch Trubisky can do it. I think Fields or Dalton can do it, no problem. Detroit, like, you know what you're going to get. You know you're getting probably a max of four to five wins. Um, it's just, look, if Dan Campbell can make chicken salad out of chicken shit, um it'll just look good on the city and then minnesota minnesota i say this again mike's it's so when i said cliff kingsbury's one for hot seat mike zimmer's two and then zach taylor that's how my top three are for hot seat because if the vikings do I, the vikings i think have to make the playoffs if the vikings don't make the playoffs i think zimmer's gone that's what i that's what i honestly think and even to how you were saying earlier with all these divisions that are improved the East, I just still don't – I don't buy into the Cowboys. They have to go out there and prove it defensively for me. I know they brought in Dan Quinn. We'll see what kind of scheme like, – like, I was going to say what kind of scheme. He's from, He's going to bring in that Seattle scheme that he was running up when he was with Seattle during their Super Bowl run runs. Excuse me. But how's Dak going to rebound from his injury? How's Zeke going to handle it? Um, Amari Cooper. See, like, I, like, I have faith in – I believe in C.D. Lamb. I think C.D. Lamb is going to be an excellent receiver for them. But Amari Cooper, I still say this, I think he's gone after this year. I think they're going to try to trade that contract because they're going to have to sign Lamb very soon. And Lamb's obviously the better receiver. Um, and then their offensive line, too. It's not what it was even three years ago where their offensive line was one of the best in the league. Now their offensive line's a lot weaker, a little beat up. So we'll see. And my other point, because I know we've talked to this before on your show where Washington can make a run at it if they get the right quarterback play. But the New York Giants, man, it's 
it's all on Daniel Jones. Like I know everyone likes to say David Gettleman's on the hot seat. No, it's, it's Daniel Jones. Dave Gettleman literally put all the pieces out for there for him to succeed. He's they, they uh, we'll see what the offensive line does. Cause I know it's a weak point of theirs. Their defense is going to be great. He got Kenny Galladay. He got Kadarius Tony. So it's like Daniel Jones. You also do, you're going to have Saquon Barkley back and going back to Minnesota, Kyle Rudolph. There's no excuses for the New York giants. There's zero excuses for the giants not to be better this year. I'm not saying they have to make the playoffs, but if Daniel Jones plays bad, they have two, they have two first round picks next year in the draft and next year's, We'll talk about the Supers, but obviously we both watch quarterback a lot, watch college football. There's a quarterback from Cincinnati coming out next year. Just saying, Daniel Jones, you got to play good. I mean, that was exactly what's, what I was about to say. If the Giants do not get eight or nine wins, I could definitely see um, New York maybe going for a quarterback. You know, actually, a couple of weeks ago was the was the 300 days away from the 2022 draft, and I did a way too early mock draft with just the top 10 picks. And the uh, draft order was from uh, Pro Football Network. And with the Giants having two first-round picks, uh, they had the Bears uh, pick was actually in the top 10, but that belongs to the Giants with the trade to get Justin Fields and actually had them getting a quarterback. And I know it sounds kind of crazy, but me, Daniel Jones has to get eight or nine. His fumbles are an issue. His His deep ball accuracy is kind of an issue. His arm strength isn't great. He's all the pieces are there, like you were saying. He has to do something. Eight or nine wins to me is – if they have seven or six, there's no way Daniel Jones should be the starting quarterback next year for the Giants, whether they maybe take a quarterback with the Bears pick or maybe with, you know, their actual uh, own, you know, first-round pick. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Cincinnati's quarterback. I think there's maybe some other people up there as well. Honestly, I've not really watched much film of the quarterbacks next season, but I know Malik Willis from Liberty. I, I like him quite a bit. Sam Howell from uh, UNC really, really think Spencer Rattler will end up being the first quarterback in the draft. So I don't think they're going to end up getting him. But, you know, going back to some of these other teams, uh, you mentioned the Vikings. Um, I think of the Vikings just had an average Mike Zimmer defense last season. They would have easily made it into the playoffs. And with Rodgers, it's, it's just like I, I just don't understand why, you know, all this is happening. Like all this, you know, basically I don't want to play for you because you've looked, you know, there's been times where Tom Brady's not had, you know, tons of weapons, but, you know, Rodgers has arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, a top 10 running back, a pretty nice offensive line, and he's uh, one of the best tackles in David, David Bacchieri, and he's still complaining about he doesn't know he wanted to play for him. You know, I understand getting upset about Jordan, the Jordan Lowe situation, but it's just kind of, it, it's really annoying because it's like you have the pieces around you, stop blaming other people type of deal you know you're one of the best quarterbacks of all time you can elevate your talent in a way we've seen that with Tom Brady you know the Packers past couple of seasons have been capable of going to the Super Bowl you know last season if it wasn't for that uh last minute touchdown right before halftime the, the Buccaneers scored against the uh, Green Bay's defense maybe we see Green Bay in the Super Bowl but it's just it makes no sense why Rodgers is complaining everything you know going on in Green Bay and it, to me it's it's just really really ridiculous and unnecessary you know what my thing with Aaron Rodgers is, and I've learned this, was apparently in the 2020 draft, the the Packers wanted Justin Jefferson. Obviously, the Vikings got him. And then they wanted Brandon Ayuk, and then the 49ers leapfrogged them. So then they decided to trade up and draft Jordan Love when they could have had Michael Pittman Jr., who, by the way, is my is one of my top candidates for breakout star in 2021. Um, Chase Claypool, um, T. Higgins, 
obviously you, you don't, you don't regret that now, but I'm just saying like, you could have done all this. And then for some reason they just decided to draft Jordan Love and they didn't tell Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron, Andy Dalton apparently was made aware on draft night. Hey, there's a good chance we dropped a quarterback. Same thing with Cam, like Cam knew Mac Jones was coming in. I feel like if you told Aaron Rodgers that, and even to, for him to come out with that announcement on draft night, it just looks kind of petty on his part. Like I do fully expect him to be there for training camp. And I've said this before on the show, I'm going to say it to you, I don't think I said to you directly. If you remember the movie, The Longest Yard with Adam Sandler, at the end of the movie where he goes to grab the ball and he just shoves it in the warden's chest and says, put this in your trophy case. Like, what if Aaron Rodgers leads the Packers to the Super Bowl, wins it, and then just does that and says, like, okay, I'm out. Like, I can see that happening because, excuse me, my big thing with him this year is if you trade him now, you're not going to have as many suitors. Maybe a team like the New York Giants next year says, hey, we got two first-round picks in 2022. We'll trade you these for Aaron Rodgers and then like well and then they'll also throw in too like Nate, I don't know about Daniel Jones but also throw in too hey we can give you like Sterling Shepard and this other piece for him you know like that's where those two picks come into play but my also thing with the two picks of the Giants I was going to say is they could easily flip those for the top 10 like what we saw San Francisco do this year because you know what unlike San Francisco they won't have to mortgage their future though they can just trade from say if they finish mid to late teens they can easily get into the top 10 of those two picks Trade those two picks for one. I think they'll do it, especially because even the other quarterbacks I was going to say too is um, there's also Brock Purdy and um, Keaton Slovis. And then there's uh, Carson Strong out of Nevada. That's another one to look out for this year. And, you know, it's just really interesting with Green Bay. I would honestly, you know, we've heard rumors for months, you know, if he'll play for Green Bay or, you know, maybe he gets traded. I do not see him getting traded at all. You mentioned the Giants. To me, the Giants are one of the only – the Giants are the number two team. The number one team, to me, is clearly the Broncos. I think that the only team that has the draft capital and enough talent around him, if, the, if Rodgers played for the Broncos right now, I think they're capable of winning the AFC West. I know I sound crazy, but along with the Bengals, I think the Broncos some of the, have some of the most underrated young talents you know, on the roster right now in the league. But I would just be shocked if Rodgers isn't on the Packers week one. And I know most people think, you know, maybe he doesn't play. I, I really think he'll play week one for the Packers. I would be more shocked if he didn't play than if he did play uh, for Green Bay. Yeah, like, because that, that's the thing with Aaron Rodgers. It's just like, I think everyone at this point doesn't expect him to show up. And then he just, when he shows up, it's going to be, hey, everything's fine. Like, he's going to get, if he does show up, he's going to get asked about it every single day. It's like, Hey, what happened with this, 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 when he's just going to, he, I think he just wants to play football. I think that's literally it. He just wants to play football and the management decides to go make it complicated and then just be like, Oh, Hey, by the way, we're also doing like, we're going to screw you in the long run. And we do want you out of here when he literally said he wanted a trade request. If they had done it on draft night, they could have gotten an insane haul. Now you think about it. Most teams, have all their quarterback quarterback slots spoken for. There's just a couple where it's like, hey, there's going to be obvious competitions camp, but a lot of teams go through that. But now it's a matter of, you know what? Show up, do your job, and leave. I think that's what it's going to be. You know when a lot of people have like a nine-to-five job when they just hate it, when they literally want to clock in, do their work, and clock out? I think that's Aaron Rodgers' mentality going into 2021. I don't think – if do we see MVP that we saw in 2020? I don't know. But you know what? Training camp's only – Less than two weeks away, so we'll see. That's going to be the big. That's the big. That's the biggest question going into training camp for any team. I really want to see. You know, if Aaron Rodgers goes to training camp for Green Bay, I want to see him like go up to the Green Bay, you know, coaching staff, uh, stun, do a cold stone, uh, Steve, Steve Austin stunner to Matt Lafleur 
flip him off and drink some beers. I think that'd be pretty funny to see. I mean, people are going to enjoy that a lot, but I, th I mean, that would be really entertaining and definitely get even more, you know, people talking about Rogers, but um, Rogers to me, I, I would just, I fully expect him to play for Green, Green Bay. I mean, I have no sources saying that he will play, you know, obviously, but I just think that he will. The fact that he's not said, you know, like trade me type of deal. I, I do not want to be a Green Bay Packer situation. I, I just, I would be surprised if he's not with Green Bay. Yeah, like that's the thing. I don't think, here's the other thing too. Matt LaFleur is going to get asked about it. I don't think Matt LaFleur has anything to do with this. I think it's more Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst. And it's, it's management, it's a CEO. It's as simple as it is. But it's also harder for them too because there's no owner they have to report to. So I feel like they kind of get a little more free reign than all, than all 31 other teams do. Because think about it. If a random GM had done this, or say if there was, a, say if there was an ownership, say if this was, uh, say this was the Bears. I'm swapping it because it's easy division. And Aaron Rodgers is a Bears quarterback, which I know Bears fans right now are being like, like, like their smoke's coming out of their ears. But with that, imagine if like the Bear, like if um, Ryan Pace went behind the backs and was just like, hey, yeah. So instead of our franchise quarterback, we're going to draft this unproven guy from the Mountain West Conference as our first overall pick, first round pick when we move up to go get him. I don't think ownership's too happy. The fact that you just have your stock, stock, the stocks, people who own stocks of the Packers are the owners, you get a little more leash. So that's the big thing because who's there to fire them, you know? And the thing with Jordan Love to me, honestly, looking at his tape, I didn't even think it was a first round talent. I mean, I knew he had potential, but a couple of years ago, he, he's one of my favorite draft uh, prospects of all time. I read Jackson from Buffalo. He was an undrafted free agent. He was 6'7", 250. He was, he was like a mobile. Uh, he's, he was kind of like Josh Allen in the way, really tall and mobile, but he was kind of built like Roethlisberger, one of the, my favorite quarterbacks to ever watch. Watching him, who was undrafted, and Jordan Love, who was a first-round pick, um, they were the exact same quarterback. I, I, I still, to this day, do not understand why Love you know, was a first-round quarterback. I know we haven't seen him actually start yet. But the thing to me, if you're going to trade up for somebody, which, you know, I was thinking this, you know, when this was actually happening, they lost Blake Martinez, the linebacker, to the Giants. He traded up. Patrick Queen was available at that pick. To me, I thought of trading up. If you want to trade for anybody, it's obvious. So they're going to trade it for Patrick Queen. And the fact that's your most, that's your biggest team need. You trade up to get somebody who, who lots of people have, you know, question marks about. You don't know. You know, he's a project type of guy. You don't know if he's going to be great. He's not a set in stone. You know what you're going to get. That's the thing, kind of, you know, why some Packers fans were so concerned. Oh, maybe Rodgers is gone. I, I just thought trading up for Patrick Queen made so much more sense. And then instead you go for love. And then all this, you know, things have happened with Green Bay the past you know, year or so. It's, I mean, this is one of those situations where you make a move and it completely possibly backfires and you get like tons of backlash far more than you thought you'd ever receive type of deal because that's the big thing with the whole Packers thing where you're right like they could have done so much more but that's like you decide to do this you easily took the bad option out um just wanted to get off this because I've been talking about for a while there's still one division in the NFC we didn't address and that's the south and the more I think about it I know Darnold's like didn't have the best tenure in New York Man, Carolina and Atlanta are two very, very wild card teams. If you look at them, like they finally have a solid just pocket quarterback. You know what? He is a little bit mobile. And then with Atlanta, we don't really know what we're going to get. 
I only say that because Julio's gone. Matt Ryan's always kind of like, eh, their defense is, eh. But you got Kyle Pitts. You've got Calvin Ridley, who obviously is handing the torch off to Russell Gage. And then the only real question is running back. Like, we'll see what Mike Davis can do. But for the most part, Carolina and Atlanta are two teams that, like, hey, they may catch a couple – they may catch people off guard. And for the Saints, it's – the Saints' logic for me is the same as the Patriots. For as long as Sean Payton's their coach – they're going to find ways to win football games. The Falcons, to me, I think they can maybe get five or six wins. And you look if Atlanta won the if Atlanta would have won the Super Bowl, I think lots of more people would be saying that Matt Ryan's a future Hall of Famer. Honestly, you look at the stats and his record; he could possibly be a Hall of Famer years from now. I'm not saying he should be, but I think it's you know a, a debatable you know conversation. Um, you mentioned the Saints. And I've said this every single time I talk about Jameis Winston, 2019 Jameis Winston is the most uh, five years from now, people will be talking about that was one of the most underrated seasons in NFL history. And I know I sound crazy throwing for over 30 uh, interceptions, but the fact that he threw for over 30 touchdowns and were 5,000 yards in his first year with a new head coach with uh, Bruce Arians and offense coordinator and Byron Leftwich, basically being blind in a way uh, to me is just very impressive. And I mean, do not even get me started on the Panthers. I am I am in love with the Panthers and the Vikings this season. The Panthers, to me, I, I think they are a playoff team. I, I know it sounds crazy. I think they're capable of getting eight or nine wins because I saw a stat. Teddy Bridgewater was 0-8 in potential game uh, winning or game uh, tying drives. Sam Darnold was a much better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater, and if you're Donald, you can get at least three of those. I don't remember how many wins the Panthers had last season, but with Robbie Anderson, somebody who he's already familiar with, uh, you know, playing with Darnold in New York, DJ Moore to me is tied for the most underrated receiver in the NFL right now, along with you know Tyler Boyd. Christian McCaffrey is coming back from injury. You know, last they have tons of nice guys on defense. You know, they drafted J.C. Horn in uh, the 2020 draft. Every single one of their draft picks were defensive players. That was the first time it's ever happened before. They have lots of young uh, guys on defense who could potentially be future stars, like, like uh, Derek Brown from Auburn. Um, I, I really, really, really like this um, Panthers team. I mean, cap it off, you got Joe Brady, who's an offensive genius, helping Sam Darnold. Um, I really like the Panthers. Will not be shocked one bit if they're in playoff contention, maybe getting eight or nine wins this year. I think I don't think the Panthers are going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to be that team where, you know, they can play spoiler for others. Like, a good comparable for them from last year would kind of be like, I don't know. I can see them even being like what Vegas did where Vegas got off to a bit of a hot start, but then down the stretch, they just cool off. We're kind of like, you know what? Hey, everything starts to catch up to them. But if you look at who the Panthers start with, they play the Jets week one. It's that Sam Darnold revenge game where we also get to see Zach Wilson for the first time. And then with the Falcons, because uh, when you said the Super Bowl, it reminds me a couple of things. So in that Super Bowl, obviously the, the main story is the Patriots and their comeback. Julio Jones made one of the best Super Bowl catches of all time in that game where he had the two feet, just his toes to stay in bounds. No one talks about that. It's like the Jermaine, it's like the Jermaine curse catch from Super Bowl 49. No one talks about it because of the Malcolm Butler interception. It's like going back to say all these like crazy moments. Like imagine if the Santonio Holmes touchdown wasn't to win the game in Super Bowl 43. If in the year before in 42, if David Tyree still makes that catch, but the giants don't win the Super Bowl, it's a great catch but it just gets that much more elevated because you win. So that's why, as soon as you said that Julio play, it, what reminds me of is like, hey, it's talked about, but it's not as magnified or glorified 
because the Falcons didn't win the game. But I do agree with you in that sense too, where, Hey, look, Matt, I still think Matt Ryan has a very strong case to get into Canton when his career is done. If you look at his stats, his wins, because there's a lot of quarterbacks who did not win the Super Bowl or who did not win a Super Bowl who are in the Hall of Fame. Like if you look at Dan Fouts, Dan Marino, just to name a couple, because uh, that's all I can think of off the top of my head. The amount of quarterbacks who have won, like Phil Sims is not a Hall of Famer. Even if you look at Joe Namath, too, I'm just trying to remember if Joe Namath is in or not. He had 30 more interceptions than touchdowns throughout his career, but it's that moment. He had that guarantee in that hotel in Miami. And he had one of the biggest upsets in Super Bowl history. So it's moments like that. Like I'll let you go in a second, but it's just that's I just wanted to get it off my chest. Joe Namath to me is one of the most overrated quarterbacks in NFL history, up there with Kenny Stabler. You know, Kenny Stabler won some titles as well, and I don't remember his numbers, but I know he had. I believe he had more interceptions and touchdowns, and it just kind of goes to show if you don't win, you're not going to get recognized as much. And, um, you know, I, I think Ryan could be a Hall of Famer. You know, I, I definitely think he's, you know, capable of being a Hall of Famer. Somebody else is Philip Rivers. You know, he's one of those guys who never went to the Super Bowl, never had a ton of playoff success, but he threw for about 4,000 yards just it seems like every single season. And once those, you know, stats start to pile up, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Somebody else, um, I know Bengal fans don't like it, and I, I think it's actually kind of debatable. Carson Palmer is maybe a Hall of Famer. I, I know I'm not trying to be biased because I don't like Palmer, but I believe he's in the top 10 or top 15 in passing yards all time. His record isn't horrible. I believe it's around 500 or so, but um, I think maybe that's, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting. Really the quarterbacks who, you know, don't win. It's, it's a lot harder for a quarterback to have great stats, but not, in a, uh, not a Super Bowl than it is for an average quarterback. Um, to win a couple of Super Bowls. Perfect example is Troy Aikman. If Troy Aikman did not have a Super Bowl ring, he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer. I feel like if Tony Romo won a Super Bowl ring, I think, I, I, honestly, I think, I mean, this is could be a whole, you know, big topic, but Romo, to me, you know, he never won a ring, but I actually think he was kind of underrated in a way. But with Aikman, you know, winning three Super Bowls, he was average, I mean, at best. You know, he had Michael Irvin, you know, he had Emmett Smith. It just, it's crazy to see how much, if you have a ring and if you have a championship to your name, how much that helps you in the Hall of Fame case and, you know, making your name uh, mainstream, if that makes sense. One, one case, though, of a person who did that who didn't get in is Phil Simms. Phil Simms is not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Joe Namath did get in 1985, but I, Joe Namath, it's like Eli Manning. Eli is going to get in because of his two Super Bowls. Because if you look at his stats, or like from not even his stats, but if you look at his career from that second Super Bowl to when he retired – that's not Hall of Fame numbers. You have two Lombardis against one of the biggest, one of the greatest dynasties in NFL history. That's something no one else can lay claim to. He can't. Like I, I have the biggest love hate relationship with the man in the world because of how funny he is online and stuff. And it's just like, you remember Anchorman when Ron Burgundy and Wes Mantooth when he's coming up the stairs from the Panda enclosure, he's like, "I hate you, but God damn it, I respect you." That's me with that's me with Eli. That's me with Eli. Like you caused me so much pain yet. Oh, but yeah, no, I, and Eli, I think also too, his name, I think his name is going to help a lot for his Hall of Fame case. I think in fact, if it was, if he was, if let's, let's just flip the script. If Chris Sims had done what Eli Manning had done, who knows if he gets in. I know Chris Sims was an average quarterback at best in the NFL at best. Um, and 
hot takes galore. He's probably had a better, he's had a broad, better broadcasting career. And even he says, I, he's the guy who obviously says a lot of things where he look, he says it just to be a hot take and to get under people's skins, but he hopes he pans out like him putting Kellen Mond in his top three quarterbacks from this year. But I just wanted to throw that out too. If Chris Sims had done what Eli Manning had done, I don't know if we're making as strong of a case from his camp. And I think the fact that he has the Manning name attached to him, that's going to go a long way as well. Yeah, I completely agree because I think Manning, take away the Super Bowl, he is not a Hall of Famer at all. And I'm, I'm trying to find a, a post here. You know, I have my podcast, but, you know, before I, well, I still currently have a Bengals, you know, fan page and everything. And I'm trying to find a stat I posted once Eli Manning retired and lots of people, I had lots of hate because I, I compared the numbers between Andy Dalton and Eli Manning. They're actually very, very, very similar. I actually did the poll. Uh, whose numbers would you rather have, Eli Manning's or Andy Dalton's? And I, I didn't say that who they were. I just put, you know, put the numbers side by side. And actually, people, more people picked um, uh, Andy Dalton than Eli Manning. And it just kind of goes to show if you have a ring, you're, you, if you're a quarterback more than any other position. If you, or if you're an average quarterback, if you, have, if you won a Super Bowl, your chances of being in the Hall of Fame skyrocket far more than you can imagine. But it, it sucks in a way because you look at some quarterbacks or just other players and, you know, different positions. If you don't have that, you know, popularity or a Super Bowl ring, you might not get in. Um, for example, um, and Riley, you know, he was a corner for the Bengals. He had, I believe he had 65 interceptions in his career. He's fifth all-time in interceptions. He was never a pro bowler. Fifth all-time in interceptions. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Every single player, I believe, in the top eight or ten is in the Hall of Fame, but not him. And it just kind of goes to show if you don't have that, you know, popularity or rings, um, people don't talk about you, and your your chances of the Hall of Fame are very, very slim. Um, the other player I want to make a case for for the Hall of Fame, sorry, so I just get an itch. Um, what was I going to say? It's like, for example, then you have Geisel where it's like, Drew Brees, where he has a ring. I know, obviously, he didn't get back. His stats, all, I think if Drew Brees never had gone a Super Bowl ring, what he did in New Orleans and his stats alone would get him in. 100%. That's like, because like the Hall of Fame, too, it's not only a mix, because I know, obviously, there's a lot of popularity and like, hey, what did you do or what your accolades are get you in there. But if you look at rings, rings just help your case more because it's like all those guys go ring chasing where it's like you want to see them get their one. It's like, it's like, I can't even say this year. I was going to try to think of the last time that was, it was kind of like what people felt with the Philadelphia Eagles for winning theirs. It was like cool to see the franchise get it after so much long suffering. But with the hall of fame too, you have your difference between your guys where it's like popularity gets them in and winning gets them in and what their stats do. Like when Drew Brees goes in, he's going to be one of those guys like Peyton Manning this year where it's just, you know what, there's no one who's going to argue against it on that committee. And I said this on my last podcast Tuesday, I would love to sit in on the selection committee picking who goes into the Hall of Fame. I feel like that's like the biggest hundred drunk guys in a bar argument of all time. It's like the greatest, like it's when you think of the greatest football minds, it's a pro football Hall of Fame selection committee. Cause you have, you even have some former players on there too. Like Tony Dungy picks, uh, Tony Dungy's a member of the pro football Hall of Fame uh, uh, of the selection committee. Excuse me. Um, I actually found this stat here. It took me a minute, but Throughout Eli Manning's career and Andy Dalton's career, looking at the two, Eli Manning averages one more passing yard per game than Andy Dalton. Passing yards per game, um, Eli Manning 1.5, Andy Dalton 1.5. 
Uh, Eli Manning actually averages one. 1.03 interceptions per game. Andy Dalton averages 0.88 interceptions per game. Eli Manning's record is exactly 500, being 117 and 117. Dalton's record is 70, 61 and two, and that goes out to 52%. So I think it's I'm not I'm not saying Andy Dalton's better than Eli Manning. That's not just what I'm saying at all. But it's just a fact. Like if you're a top market team and if you have that ring. You're going to go if you're average. You're going to go in uh, in the Hall of Fame far more likely than a great player who's for a small market like the Bengals, the Lions, or somewhere like that. It's a very fair argument to make, but I think at the same time too, Chris, I was supposed to say Chris Phil Sims, like I said, not in. Uh, Otis Anderson too, his running back, not in the Hall of Fame. So I think a lot of it does go into as well. Like, look, hey, winning multiple. Um, Going on to one thing I want to talk about earlier, because obviously we all know I'm a fan of him, and we left him out of our NFC talk, NFC South talk. But like I think for the box, it's going to be, look, this year no one's doubting them. No one's going to be, hey, what's going to go on? It's the box are going to go into this year like last year's Kansas City Chiefs. Everyone's just going to expect them to be in the Super Bowl. But the fact that there was the report that came out today about him playing the entire, it was either I saw some weird articles. I saw one that said he played the entire year on a torn MCL. I saw stuff he played on a partial. It was a partial tear for a bit of the year, but the fact that he won a Super Bowl with that significant of an injury, like how can you deny that that's the greatest player of all time? And even the one thing I'm going to say, because I saw it earlier this week that really irked me is the fact that like Mahomes already has like certain stats where he's already beaten Tom and, and like when you compare their careers at this point, the biggest difference between the two is one was a sixth round pick. One was a first round pick. And you know what? Actually, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want, I don't like comparing the two of them. Why? Seven to one. That's the only comparison I will say to you. Seven to one. And I also think this, for as much as I love the team, and they're on my cup right now. You see that you see that logo right there. And well, it's you can tell right here's his Patriots, and there's a Starbucks lady. It's custom made. The Patriots, I think, set an unhealthy precedence for the rest of the league to think that winning is so easy. I want to see what the Kansas City Chiefs can do with out Travis Kelsey, without Tyreek Hill, without Andy Reid coaching, you know? Like how Bill Belichick was able just to keep cycling in players and how Tom waited until he got waited, waited forever to get his bag, to get his money. He was always giving back money for the betterment of the team. I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but that Mahomes contract, like, I think he's going to have to give him back quite a bit of money to help his team down in the run. Because Tyreek Hill said he didn't want to, and I know Mahomes did this year. We'll see what happens. And the only other reason, too, why I don't like the Chiefs is for stuff like the Frank Clark incident. I don't know if you saw this, where he got arrested for having an Uzi in his car, which he tried putting off as it was his bodyguards, which is – I know I know in the States, weapons are legalized as long as they're registered. An Uzi is an illegal weapon to have unless you're in the military. So we'll see what happens there. And, I mean, with the MCL injury with Tom Brady, I mean, I'm not even going to lie. I, I don't like Brady, but he's became more likable since he's went to Tampa Bay, in my opinion. But the more Super Bowls than any other, you know, franchise in NFL history. When you look at other sports, for example, the um, um, NBA Finals, you know, there'd be players who get, you know, poked in the eye. They'll be on the floor for five minutes you know, barely able to play and everything. But Brady's playing against, you know, a, a much more in, uh, serious injury than any of us really expected. And be able to play great in the Super Bowl, 
comparing Mahomes to Tom Brady is is stupid. It's like comparing young players who are coming into the NBA who played for a couple of seasons, comparing them to like LeBron or Jordan or something like that. It, there's just certain players you don't compare people to. And unless they have the rings or unless they've actually played the same number amount of years as they have, comparing them is not worth it. And it makes absolutely no sense. You're just trying to make a storyline. It's not even a storyline. It makes, I know Max Kellerman, he freaking loves Patrick Mahomes. But I agree with you said, I want to see Mahomes without Kelsey, without Tyree Kill. See what he can do on his own. Because I think, but Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks, you know, we have seen. But take Mahomes, if Mahomes wasn't drafted by the Chiefs. Uh, the Bengals actually had, I believe, the pick, uh, a couple picks before the Bengals. You know, we took John Ross, which that was, looking back was horrible. But if we took Mahomes at what, you know, with our first round pick, I, he's not going to have near as much success with Cincinnati as opposed to a, a genius and uh, Andy Reid. I, I really want to see, I agree with what you said there, Mahomes without some of his top targets. Because comparing Mahomes to Brady and Mahomes to Rodgers and some of these other guys who have been, you know, the top quarterbacks for over a decade now, Mahomes has had about three, four good seasons. It's stop comparing people just to get a storyline, in my opinion. The only thing I will say about the Chiefs is, though, every year people do this with the Patriots, whether like, hey, is this the year they kind of like, you know, take a back seat? I am not doing that by any stretch of the imagination with the Chiefs. Because, like, look at this 2019. No one thought they were going to do anything. They won the Super Bowl when he, the year he got hurt. So that's what I'm just here to say. It's just, like, I'm not doubting Patrick Mahomes. He's he's a great – he's the best quarterback in the league right now by far. Is he the greatest of all time? No, do not even start that conversation yet. I think – or even, too, it's like the whole argument of, oh, if he retired today, can he make it to the Hall of Fame? It's just like, mm, I, I hate – those are certain arguments I hate. But you know what? Talking heads have to say it because they get paid to do it. Meanwhile, I come on here for fun and just – Give the thoughts that I sometimes talk to myself when I'm in my car driving to work. That's that's I'm not afraid to admit that. That's what this is an outlet for to come here on, whether if you're listening to this via podcast, if this is YouTube, whatever. That's all I had to say. But the big that's just the because that's a that's a thing though. It's just I, I know I'm going off topic, but it's just like, look, let's not compare now. Compare when the two are done, even though the two of them could still be going on for another 25 years, for all we know. Excuse me, but you know, that's the, but going back to my point from earlier, um, for all people are going to say, oh, hey, I think this is the year that, you know what, the, someone's going to overtake the Chiefs. No, the, I think this is a very good chance that the Chiefs are, the, no, not a very good chance. The Chiefs will probably be in the AFC championship game, which I don't know if you saw his tweet today from Adam Schefter, but it, he basically released all the league important dates for this year and it's January 30th. So I fully expect January 30th at three, because this year is an even number of years. So it's going to be in Arrowhead at three o'clock. That's my early prediction. Mark my words. And what you were saying, you know, talking about, you know, hot people. It, it, it's weird because you see people like Stephen A. Smith, who is just absolutely crazy and makes stupid crap up. Get Had paid a bad week. Dollars. What? I was saying Stephen A. Smith, not the best week in the world after his. I'm not going to get into it, but he had the two comments about the Otani. He had the Otani comments and then the Nigerian basketball comments. He's not having a good week. But guys like Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, Max Kellerman, those guys make you know stupid takes that people hate. And oh, did you hear about this? And then they watch it. For example, you know we both have podcasts. If we say something like that, oh, this is so stupid. You know, kind of, you know, if, if we were on the TV, people would be talking about it. But since we have like a like a small following, I guess, you know, people aren't going to be talking about it as much. But with the Chiefs, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're in the AFC Championship by any means. But I, I would 
I, I just don't see them being in the Super Bowl. I, I really think, I know it, it's kind of painful to say it, and I'm going to be one of the few Bengal fans to actually admit it. I think the Browns are going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it's going to be the Browns between the Buccaneers or Rams. I think that every single time I've done a prediction thing two or three different times, you know, week one to 18 in the playoffs, I keep going back to the Browns and then against Tampa Bay with the Rams. I, I would kind of be surprised if the Browns are not in the playoffs. I, I know um, the city has a far better quarterback, and so does Buffalo, but Mayfield has more talent around him. So he doesn't have to elevate the talent. He just needs to play average compared to Mahomes playing great, you know, when he has guys like Hill and you know, Kelsey. And with the um, Browns defense, I feel more comfortable with the Browns defense and some of their guys they've recently signed and drafted because, you know, they have one of the best rosters in the league and they're one of the best free agencies in the league, but they actually also have one of the best drafts as well. I don't think people talk about it enough. Um, and I, I think the, I, I would kind of be surprised to see the, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl this season. Um, like I, I, I say, it's like, that's like what I said earlier. I feel like we say that, but then they just go like, Hey, we're here. Um, but no, like I want to see, I, I think the Browns have a very good, very good chance. It's just, if they stay healthy, um, but out of if if I had to compare the Browns to the Bills, like I think the I give the edge to quarterback to Buffalo, but running game and receivers, I, I, you gotta even though the Brown I, I, running backs is the Browns receivers. I'm like for I know Landry and OBJ are good, but man, Diggs is just something else. But it's defense. Cleveland's pass rush this year. Jadavion Clowney with Miles Garrett's going to be unbelievable. And it's Buffalo's weak point. So we'll see how they do. Like, and my other thing with Buffalo too is, and obviously we know, like we have the same thing. You're a Bengals fan. You hate the Browns. I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan. I hate the Bills. I want to know how the Bills do with that target on their back. Cause last year, no one expected them to play as well as they didn't go 13 and three. They're the hunters. They're the hunted. Now they, they were the hunters for 20 years. They were always chasing down that crown. Now that they're the hunted, I want to see how they live up to that pressure and that hype. Because for all we know, Josh Allen takes a backseat. Do I expect it? No. I'm preparing it. I'm not preparing for it, though, but it wouldn't shock me if it happened. And and it wouldn't really shock me either. And that's something I think – I mean, there's so many storylines. I mean, some quarterbacks, you know, they can lose their starting jobs. Some coaches can lose their starting jobs. But there's other storylines like that. It, it just makes it really interesting. You mentioned uh, me hating the Browns. I hate the Browns, but I do not hate the Browns as much as the Steelers. It's not even close. And there's okay. times I hate the Ravens more than the Browns as well. Um, I, I know it's kind of weird, but um, I, I'm really interested in Josh Allen. And I think it is possible we see him maybe decline just a tad bit because this past season he was phenomenal. But in the way, I do kind of think he maybe could improve even more because I was just – I was so shocked to see Brian Dayball stay with the Buffalo Bills. I thought for sure he was going to be a head coach somewhere. And he's been a huge part of Josh Allen's development. Uh, Josh Allen's rookie season, I believe their uh, total offense was around 29th. Uh, this past season, they were in the top five. So he's been a huge part in Josh Allen's success. And with him being here uh, in Buffalo for uh, surprisingly this season – I wouldn't be surprised if Allen maybe had even a slightly better season than he did compared to last year. But, I mean, it's, it just seems like, for the most part, just about every single division is, is just so interesting. And compared to the last couple of seasons, you know, last year it was a toss-up. You know, at this point, we weren't even sure, you know, the season was going to happen on schedule. 
but this point, I, I feel like there's a lot more storylines and just so many fun stories to keep an eye on uh, compared to the last several years. Uh, yeah, because this year's going to be a normal year. This year, like every stadium is going to be full. Every team's going to be good to re- good to go, ready to go. Um, hopefully, COVID's not an issue with any of the teams. Hopefully, there's none of that. But obviously, we know there are certain players who sp- spoke out. I'm not going to go into details about it, but obviously, we all know what Cole Beasley has said online. Um, it's just a big wait and see thing. The only thing I'll say for the um, Josh Allen stuff is if Bills fans truly want to be thankful for someone besides Brian Dayball, Jordan Palmer. That's that's the only other thing I wanted to add in is that Jordan Palmer is a huge reason why Carson Wentz is bad. And not, Car- not Carson Wentz is bad. I'm ex- I do not know why I said that. For why Josh Allen is good. Um, and then you have – so that's, that's another thing I wanted to bring up quickly. A lot of these guys who didn't really work out as good quarterbacks in the NFL have made other careers elsewhere. Like Look at Chris Sims. Look at Dan Orlovsky. Jordan Palmer. Just those are three guys right there. Didn't have the best NFL careers, but you know what? Did good after their careers were over. Jordan Palmer is basically like a Bengals living, Bengals living legend. I mean, he played a couple of games for us and absolutely sucked. And then, you know, he's had a nice, you know, he's got to coach all these guys like Justin Fields and other people like that. Dan Orlowski is somebody who I just think is really interesting because, you know, he did not have a good NFL career. And now he's with, he's been with ESPN for several years. And now he's one of the, you know, their bigger guys on NFL Live. Um, I, I don't watch ESPN. I, I hate ESPN with a passion. But, I mean, with Orlowski, it's just, you know, when he was playing in the NFL, you just did not think he was going to be one of those guys to fill the roles like uh, Trey Wingo and Info Live and people like that. And we've seen other people, too. For example, uh, Byron Leftwich. you know, he played in the NFL some, but, you know, he was, I mean, he was basically injury prone for the majority of his career. And now he's an offense coordinator with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And possibly, I mean, he could have a head coaching job next season. It's, he's probably one of the top candidates going to, you know, next year. But it is kind of crazy seeing these guys who just did not have good careers um, going to coaching careers. It, it's just something you, you don't really expect. And that's something you kind of see more so from, you know, I'm not a big baseball fan, but that's something you kind of see more so from baseball than opposed to football. The more I think about it, you actually kind of see it in all the sports, like hockey, baseball, basketball, and football you see it where a lot of the guys who become coaches are the guys who didn't have the most successful careers because they were, even though a lot of people say, Oh, you were a bench warmer. They were learning like hearing. I know you don't watch ESPN listening to Dan Orlovsky breakdown film is some of the best stuff in the world. And if you tweet at him, he will tweet you back. Like I've had, I've had a couple, a few, actually not a couple. I've had a few interactions with him on Twitter stand-up guy. And the only other thing I'll make for uh, former Bengals whose careers were cut short doing well, David Pollock. But even though that was very, very different circumstances. But you know what? He's made he's, – he's done great with ESPN for the college coverage. Yeah, um, college game day, that is – aside from games, college game day is about the only thing I actually will watch on ESPN. I'm, I'm a big college football fan, but I've not really paid much attention to it, you know, this upcoming season as opposed to years past. But, yeah, I'm a – David Pollock's definitely probably my favorite uh, college football, you know, broadcaster and everything. And you kind of mentioned interaction – um, you know, kind of, you know, switching gears, you know, we kind of, we could kind of talk about, you know, whatever. I uh, actually was able to, well, uh, do you pay, I, I know we kind of talked about every time we talk mostly. Uh, have you been watching any AW recently? Uh, yes, I've, I've, I haven't watched like a crazy, crazy amount of it, but like I know what's going on just because like a lot of the times with like in the summer, obviously, for as much as I like to watch wrestling, like if something does come up, I'm not going to like be like, oh, hey, sorry, I can't. I'm staying home to watch wrestling. I did it when I was like 13 or 14, but I'm, I'm not doing that when I'm 27, you know? 
Yeah, I know I, I know did, what's going on with AEW. I follow AEW more now than WWE. Yeah, I, I did the exact same thing when I was like 14, 15, 16, because like with, you know, back then to me, that was the prime um, WWE. But um, uh, um, last week, you know, I was able to actually attend like a card con, like sports card collection type of thing. And I got to meet Darby Allen from AEW. It was really cool because I got, I was actually in like a Q&A type thing with him. I asked him who his dream opponent was, and he said, you know, Malachi Black, which, you know, was um, A-lister Black in um, WWE, and that, you know, thing was actually on, that's been on a ton of wrestling articles, you know, that was on uh, Inside the Ropes, you know, different things like that, Uh, uh, Wrestling Inc., or different things like that. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool, you know, being featured on some of those things, and um, another topic with wrestling, I I saw something earlier today I, I don't keep up with WWE like I used to. I, I pay attention to AEW far more than WWE. Um, I saw something a couple hours ago. It was announced that Goldberg is going to be back on Raw in a couple weeks. <laughs> this makes absolutely no sense. This is why people don't watch your product. People were expecting Lesnar to come back and face Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam and possibly see Cena against Reigns which to me was probably one of my all-time favorite feuds in WWE. WWE. I know it was a short feud, but I, I liked it a lot. I mean, Cena and Reigns, you want ratings up, it's going to be your ratings thing. People wanted Lesnar against Lashley when Lesnar had the title several years ago and Lashley was just coming back into the WWE scene. Uh, you know, with Lesnar possibly coming back, um, I, it's very interesting. You know, WWE posted something that involved Le- uh, Lesnar several days ago. And Paul Heyman posted something that had something to do with Lesnar a week or so ago as well. But why? I don't get it. Goldberg, okay, you're going to get a jackhammer. You're going to get a spear. You're going to have a promo. It ends with your next. It just makes no sense. Stuff like this is why people stop watching your product. The fact that you bring it back makes zero sense. It makes, I I, I just do not understand it because Bobby Lashley and Lesnar, those are two guys who have had some, you know, martial, mar- uh, martial arts careers. Goldberg's in his 40s or 50s and can barely have a match, you know. I believe it was the, um, I, I don't, the whatever it was called, the Greatest Royal Rumble or something like that. He had that match where uh, against The Undertaker or somebody or uh, something, and he, like, almost seriously got hurt. I, I just, I don't know why WWE continues to do this when they have a prime opportunity to get people who don't watch it often, like myself, back into it, but they completely are about to drop the ball and completely mess it up. People ask me why, like when people ask why, hey, why haven't you watched WWE? The last time I watched Raw was three months ago. That's why. That's, 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 all, that's all I'm going to add to it. You covered basically everything that I wanted to say. Um, the only thing that's exciting with WWE is, look, I'll probably watch tomorrow night when there aren't fans back in the arena for the first time ever in Houston, Texas. So we'll see how that goes. But for the most part, it's it's just AEW. The only other thing I'll say that was comparable for me for wrestling too. So on this, obviously, if you go through my YouTube channel, I have all various different kinds. Of, it's a lot more podcasts now. I have some unboxings and stuff like that. But when I used to do reaction videos, and I still do for like the Royal Rumble, I may do it for Money in the Bank. Um for Royal Rumble 17, when we thought Samoa Joe was coming out and Roman Reigns came out and we had this horrible reaction video about like five, 6,000 views, like a bunch of like wrestling networks were stealing it to like use it for like their videos showing various fans. And I'm getting people messaging me like, hey, you're on this website. I'm like, what the fuck? And then it's just like, 
And yeah, then yeah, there's me. If you want to go scroll, if you scroll down my YouTube after this, it's it's in there. It's around 2017. So you have to go to about a four year ago mark. That that's that's all I gotta say. But the only other thing just to add for today was just that um, just good things feel like it's a good time to wrap things up here. But uh, yeah, I'm closer. I'm not that close to 100. This is now your this. So I think I've been on yours of three or four times now, and uh, I've been on here. And then now this is your third time on here because I remember you were one of the guests back in the early early days, like. Uh, with uh, I remember it was about a week before the 2020 draft and then first time on here in about six seven months but it was good it was good having you on today is there anything you want to add outside to the show before we wrap up you know uh, thanks for having me you know this is I, I you know I have lots of guests on my show you know like you said you've been here on my show a couple of times I, I'm not really on shows often but you know I, I really appreciate you know you having me on um, you know people who are you know watching me you can find me uh, the sports to hunt show on Instagram and Twitter and then the Sports Two Hind Show on YouTube. I, I mainly talk about the NFL, but I'll talk a little bit about college football. Um, also, the NBA tad bit, occasionally the MLB, but not often. And then the wrestling, you know. Um, I'm trying to get into more wrestling. I'm also trying to get into more, like, entertaining and just kind of stupid storylines. You know, we were talking the other day about some, you know, movie remakes and different stuff like that. So, you know, basically football, wrestling, and basketball is kind of my main topics um, if you're into that, make sure to uh, subscribe to my channel. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks again for having me on. So. No problem. And folks, with that, that wraps up episode number 97 of YWC Football Talk. I got two more episodes and then I'm at 100. Well, anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening. Jordan, thank you once again for coming on. And folks, have a good night. And uh, we'll see you for episode 98. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.